What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Rams, Joe Johnson, Joe Rafts, of course. We've got Jays we've got them for days. Josh, how you doing? Yeah, I have a question for you. Oh, man. You're not ready for it. So You're right. Off guard. You're right. I'm not ready for it. What's up? I was thinking about this last night. And then the Heat didn't win, so it makes it a little bit less timely and poignant. But how many players are you picking over Jimmy Butler in an elimination game if you're building a team and you've got the first overall pick? Um, in an elimination game. Yes. Okay. I need some context. Can I, can I ask some follow-up questions? Sure. Okay. Um, am I, is this the context of I, my team is the exact same, except I get to put Jimmy Butler or that, or somebody else on that heat team, a team that's banged up a team that like their, their other quote unquote star is injured and is really only out there to flop and take charges and Tyler heroes hurt and all of these other things, because if that's the context, then there's like maybe two or three, <laughs> but if the context is, I have a very, if I have a healthy and like, and like a team that has other guys on the floor like better three point shooters and things of that nature, then maybe the list is slightly longer, um, but not very many. I can think I, of two or three off the top of it, like that. I would be like, yeah, I definitely want that guy instead. I was thinking more starting from scratch. If you get basically one star. Okay. To be the guy on your team. Um, I can, I, I got two for sure. Okay. Giannis and I still think, I still want Kevin Durant. Interesting. In a, okay. in a game seven, because okay. I still think, because when you, because the same, if you ask the question, if you have seven seconds to, uh, to win a title and you need somebody to take a shot, <laughs> he is the player in the NBA that I don't have to worry about being able to get a shot up because he's six eleven with the handles of a guard and yeah. just nobody, even like Giannis is going to be able to completely like, stop him from taking a shot yeah um and for that reason he is still on that list now you know he's getting you know his his team also got just got swept so maybe not the not quite the you know put the guy on you need the team on your back way that he perhaps used to be but like even last year it's like his if he wore a size 11 instead of a size yeah. 13 the Nets win that series. So uh, Giannis, because Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so Giannis, absolutely. KD, um, you know. I have, I have one more name come to mind. Um, you know, Luca's on that list. That was going to be mine. Luca's on that list. Um, you know, it's been – it's been too long. Like, LeBron comes to mind because – because he's LeBron, but then again, it's also been like a long time since he's been in a position that Jimmy Butler was in from like a, you know, cause he had AD that's, you know, bubble series yep. and he was just as good as LeBron was in that series. Like, um, but those are the three that I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I want it with no disrespect to Jimmy Butler. I just think those three guys are that good. Um, so three, I'll go with, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, that's about where I was. I wasn't thinking Durant, but that's certainly valid. My thing is, and Jason Tatum is certainly entering himself into that equation, but my big thing is I need to be able to trust that you're going to show up. Sure. And, but, and then it's also what's your ceiling in terms of a LeBron or a Steph Curry or something. Right. But there, I, you know, Chris Paul has a bad history in game sevens. Joel Embiid has not really been a difference maker, and his team usually comes out on the wrong side of game sevens. Mm -hmm. The one they came closest, oh, Jimmy Butler was on his team. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I because we talk about this all the time. I he's just to that point where you don't have to worry about it. Um, the last time Kawhi Leonard was truly healthy, Kawhi's probably on that list. Sure, yeah, that's fair too. Yeah, I need to. I need to. But that was Raptors Kawhi. That was and like that yeah. guy is like. 
that's one of the you know three or four best individual playoff series performances that I've ever seen from yeah. just a putting him on your team on your back mm-hmm. perspective. But what Jimmy did, especially in the last two games, because um, we could also have an argument that he showed up for only four of these games, right? But yeah. in terms of a game seven in particular, right? And that's where uh, that's why I wanted to specify elimination. Sure. Where, right. There are some guys who rise to that occasion. Some guys struggle to deal with that pressure and he may be the the person that elevates himself most compared to mm. what you generally expect from him correct because you get right you expect Giannis to be the best player on the floor and to dominate game one game seven doesn't matter sure and he does mm. right he's the same he's the same incredible player all the time Luca same thing mm. they just give you a 35 7 and 8 because they just do that whereas right Jimmy can have five points in a game and then He's going for 42 the next night because his team needs to win. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he is, you know, he's one of those guys that I I guess it's because of his, like, he's always, he always gets to a point where he's kind of gets under the skin of the team he's on. He's, he's just kind of one of those guys that if you asked me, do I like Jimmy Butler? My gut reaction is no, not really, but it doesn't really have anything to do with, it doesn't have anything to do with how he delivers when the lights are the brightest. And then when you ask me why I can't really come up with anything. So maybe I just am cool with Jimmy Butler. Um, maybe and- I just, in general, the sour taste that guys like that, that kind of like, it's always, you know, the guys I'm playing with aren't good enough for me. And then like, cause like when he left Philly, it's not like it was all sunshine and rainbows. And yeah. then he's coming off the court of that Philly series talking about how going after the, Tobias about Harris. How Philly, you know, chose somebody else over him when like it wasn't like you were begging to stay. Yeah. Right. You were the one talking about how like Embiid and Simmons weren't mature and grown up enough for you yet. So maybe it's just that. But the more I think about it and the more times I see him in a playoff series, like I kind of have I have a hard time coming up with reasons that I dislike him beyond his kind of like you know his get down yeah (laughs) yeah that hasn't been an issue that hasn't been an issue in miami no players that better fit for that organization he needs to stay there for the rest of his career (laughs) i am i'm right there right there with you for sure for sure but fine i I was glad we got a, a competitive game seven yes in a in a conference in a set of conference finals that relative to the rest of the playoffs were just horrible just mm-hmm. horrible um and we did a good a great two first rounds on both sides of the of the of the aisle and golden state boston i think is a intriguing finals i mean someone asked me this morning who i think was going to win the series and i was like you know what i'm not sure i haven't thought about it enough yet and that's at the very least a pretty good place to start when it comes to a finals um <laughs> is that right off the top of my head, I'm not positive. I could talk myself into both without kind of looking into it. But, um, but yes, NBA Finals, they started. This is for potting Memorial Day, 11.23 a.m. to be specific, in case you were curious. Um, finals start on Thursday, um, just a couple of days from now. But we have one more um, order of business when it comes to all Jay Wright, all Coach K teams over the last couple of weeks, if you haven't listened to those podcasts yet. Um, we did a a the best, you know the the best five players to play for Coach K in his forty plus years at Duke, and then the best players to play for Jay Wright in his twenty one seasons at Villanova. Uh, those were the last couple weeks of the podcast, and today the more important one. Yes. Just quite simply, the more important one. These are, and we're going to do these together, both for Coach K and Jay Wright, are all favorite teams because that's way more fun. With all due respect to the five guys we talked about um, in the last one, uh, this one's way more fun than than the uh, the previous one. Um, Josh, I'm curious, how much overlap did you have? Like, how many players that made the two lists that we've previously made? For you, you're like the, your two lists, uh, how many players made both lists between the two teams? Three. I have. I have two that made my all list. And then a third that made your all team list that mm-hmm. made that made that made my all favorite list. 
So good. I like that we have some – so out of 10 players, possible players that could be the same, only three are the same. I like that. I'm a fan of that. I'm a big fan of that. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we get uh, into our teams? Let's jump in. Disclaimer first. Um, I love guards. So therefore, <laughs> this is going to be guard heavy. I'm 5'9", maybe 5'10 with shoes on, maybe. Josh is shorter than I am. And when I grew up playing basketball, it was always the guards that I was drawn to first. So I don't dislike bigs, okay? <laughs> I don't dislike bigs. I have one big on my team, on across two teams, one. Oh, okay. I, I, I tried to make mine at least. Oh, absolutely not. Now, now, able in, to play on now in 2022, could these teams play on the court together? Yeah, it'd be fine. They'd be, they'd be a little... Um, now my my all J Wright team would be severely <laughs> undersized. Severely, that's all. That's all we've talked about. This it's the same problem. But on my Coach K team, one of the best rebounders in in uh, across K's tenure. So so, I am, and I think in terms of the records, the best rebounder, maybe of all time at Duke. But we'll get to that. I, I I'll have to look. Anyway, yeah, my Duke team, my Duke team has plenty of size. Okay, all righty. You want to start with K or J Wright? Let's do Duke first. Okay, we'll go back and forth, um, and if we if we overlap, we'll uh, we'll stop and make that clear. Anyways, uh, who's for who is uh, who's who's on the who's starting in the backcourt? One of your starting backcourt players for your K for your all favorite Coach K team. JJ Redick. I have JJ Redick on my team as well. I assumed you did. It's not that I had some sort of personal connection to JJ Redick when JJ Redick was at Duke. Mm-hmm. I've just always had an immense amount of respect for J.J. Reddick. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden that he's on ESPN, it's funny how sort of people are coming to realize just how smart and authentic mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. Where I feel like he was that in the NBA too. That sure. Just as his career progressed and you got him out of being the dude that you root against because he plays for Duke and is scoring 25 points a game, when he just kind of became a very good NBA player. Mm-hmm. not a star a guy that you you know value his opinion you listen to when he speaks out on something but he's just a good nba player who had a long successful career and you take away the duke part of it i really became a huge fan of his and i don't feel like he was any different at duke it was just in a different context because he was jj reddick and it was duke right you know so to, part of this to me is not only their time at the school, but sort of their entire basketball career. Okay, sure. That, that for for a couple in particular. Some of them, it's more specific to sure. their college careers. Um, Jay Drake's on my team as well. Um, shouts to uh, my cousin Henry, who went to Villanova, actually, and a listener of the podcast. Shouts to Henry. Um, Henry and I, once upon a time, were going to go to Duke together. When we were like 11. You know, <laughs> we're basically the same. I think he's a, he's a year uh, below us. Uh, in terms of uh, college graduation, but he went to Villanova. But at once upon a time, we were going to go and to Duke together, and it was largely because of JJ. <laughs> um, uh, the first like branded, the first pair of basketball shorts that I owned that were like specific to a team were Duke basketball shorts. I have you know family, and I've talked about this before. Family connection to the university, but the JJ Redick mid two thousands teams were like really when it started to uh, cultivate itself. And as it did for, you know, the next half decade. Um, but it at the center of it was JJ Redick. We, we shot baskets in the driveway. Like we were JJ Redick. It was all JJ Redick. So he was the, he was the first of many guards on this Duke team to, um, to go on my list, but yeah, also on my team as, as well. I'll stick in the backcourt uh, next on my list. Well, we're going to be sticking in the backcourt for a while, uh, but next on my list is John Shire. John Shire, you know, and we talked about this when a little bit on the uh, on the previous uh, on the Duke All Coach K Duke pod, right? Shire not quite making that list, not coming particularly close, but a guy that was by the time he got to his senior year, right, a senior on the team that won the 2010 final, national championship game. Um, just a just a massive fan of how you know always under control great shooter you know sneaky when it comes to rebounding because he was huge he was like six five a six five guard um 
that became one of the most important players on the team. And I was just a huge fan of the way he played the game, um, just kind of always under control, never seemed to make a really big mistake. Um, so he was in, you know, that was uh, also in kind of the prime of my affiliation. It's still one of the, just the more horrific things that I have to admit that in the, that in the Duke Butler national championship game, uh, one of those places is my alma mater. It is not Duke. And I was rooting for Duke in that game. Um, but you know, here, here we are. Uh, it all turned out. Okay. But John Shire, big reason for that. And uh, so he also went on my list. Hey, it's okay. I was rooting against Butler in the semis. So, you know, ah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> Little Michigan state guy over here. Fair enough. But yes, John Shire, the second guy on my all coach K team. See, that's why you need to make deep NCAA tournament runs as schools nobody's heard of, because then people know. I mean, it's it's no joke. That's I mean, and now it's you know we've got another one in St. Peter's going here, but absolutely it changes the the complexion of your university when you do that because all of a sudden you've got these huge fan bases and now they're learning about your team because you're playing your Dukes, your Michigan State, your North Carolinas, whoever it might be. Exactly. Exactly. Are you ready for the most obscure player on either of my teams? Yes. I guess he's the point guard of this team. Yeah, he's the primary ball handler. Jordan Goldwire? Hey, okay. Jordan Goldwire does not get enough credit for what he did at Duke. He was so good defensively. And did such a good job taking care of the basketball. And was in a and, and was in a weird portion of Duke history where like it was a combination of either teams that he was like an afterthought on because of guys like Zion and RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, or on teams like the team two years ago that just weren't that good. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of a combination of the two. So either on the ones that he that were good. He just was kind of like a six man kind of guy. And then the team that he, right, because two years, and he finishes his career at Oklahoma, right? Yeah. That's where he transferred. Um, but the year before that, the team that went under 500, the COVID year, um, was the most important player on that team, probably. Yeah. And, I would certainly argue. And, but that team wasn't good. It was kind of dictated by that. Come some of the things that Kay said about the COVID year and, so it just wasn't really dictated by the success on the floor, but he was good that year too. Um, and it shocks me in zero way whatsoever that a guy like that would have, would have made your team. I'm always here for the guys that play really good defense, the glue guys and him in particular, I just always kind of viewed him as the one player on those teams that didn't make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. Because part of inherently when you go with this strategy of the one and dones and relying so heavily on freshmen, you're going to have those growing pains and you're going to pay a price for it. Whether it's the inability to play man-to-man defense that Duke has struggled with at times, particularly Zion's team who just couldn't guard anybody Mm -hmm. or had to go to zone. Right. Three NBA athletes all, you know, yeah, that's a different conversation, but you're right. They could not guard a man-to-man that year. Or just the fundamental struggles they had when Goldwire was there with that in the COVID year. And I just went, which is why I mean, if they had Trey Jones too. And Trey Jones, by the time he left, was maybe the best on-ball defender in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I, I continue. Just, <laughs> I just remember. I just remember thinking, watching that Duke team, if they had five Jordan Goldwires out there, you can't tell me they would be this bad. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he brought something so important to that team because they struggled so much doing some of the things and just the fundamental soundness he brought. Sure. So, huge fan. Doesn't get enough credit. That's my backcourt. Uh, I'm going to go glue guy as well. And a guy who gets some credit, but a guy who was certainly not the best freshman on his team that won a national championship. Um, and that's Tyus Jones. No surprise. Massive fan of Tyus Jones. And it was like this tie in, and Quinn cook didn't make my list, but I'm, I'm also a big fan of Quinn cook. Um, but Tyus and Trey, like Trey could have gone on this list in, in an alternate universe as well. But um, Tyus that year, a year that had, and, and, you know, talk about, you know, a basketball career as a whole. Now he's, in my opinion, the best backup point guard in the NBA and he plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. So that doesn't <laughs> hurt his case. Um, but on that team, it was, I mean, we talked about it 
endlessly that year about how good he was, about how not scared of the moment he was. And right, Quinn Cook had been part of that, just as big of a reason that that backcourt was so good. But like Tyus Jones made a bunch of big shots that year in the tournament. You He'd never made a bunch of mistakes. And on a team that had your Justice Winslow's, your Julia Okafor's in particular, um, he was he was kind of right there. And while he wasn't, I mean, he ended up going, he was a lottery pick in that draft. Um, was he? No, is that a lie? Is that a lie? I don't think so. I, I kind of feel like it was like the Timberwolves had two picks that year high and they took cat with the first and hold on. I have to look, I'm looking right now. 24th. Okay. So I, I was wrong. He was out of the lottery. Um, the 24th overall, because, but still like one of two first round picks that the Timberwolves had that year. Um, but great defensively, never made a mistake, big shots all over the place. Um, and, and after uh, just a little bit of investigation, I was like, Oh, yep, that's right. I love, really like that guy. Um, so uh, he's on my list as well. I feel like that's one of your favorite. I don't know what the word is. It's not a principle, but your philosophy. Is it a philosophy? It's more specific to the, the other phrase that came to mind was kill you'll die on. But mm. one of those things you love discussing yeah. is sure. Tyus Jones support to that Duke team. Yes. Oh, you absolutely. Know, right. If you're going to ask sort of your you were to write essays about college basketball. Maybe that's the best way to put it. That would be high up on your list. I feel like. Mm, I like that. Or I'm your your that. your yeah. basketball your college basketball TED talks. Kind yeah, of. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I will go to bat for for Tyus Jones in a similar way that I'll go to bat for Trey Jones on the on the on the team that had on the team that had Zion Williams, Williamson. But um, but yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I just love that kind of category of player. You know, he's kind of in that Aaron Craft area. I'll talk about Aaron Craft all day if you want to, too. But he, that's the, that's my, three of the four guards I have on this team. Who's next for you? Yeah, so my team is slightly bigger than yours because we've got the A.J. Griffin next. Oh, okay. I didn't consider that one. I'll also have to uh, concede here that all of my players, like as a result of me not being born until 1998, just yes. like, just like, Bobby Hurley was never going to be on this list. Right, exactly. KJ Redick is the the first eligible player. (laughs) Right. So, like, this isn't a this isn't a smite or you know a shorting of those guys at all. That, but this is a very subjective list. Yes. And as a result, if I didn't see him play, um, if I didn't see him play, then they're probably not going to be on this list. So, anyways, I loved. Get to this with Villanova hint hint. I love guys who can shoot. Is Brian Antoine about to be on your Villanova list? Is this Brian Antoine with the description of guys being able to shoot the lights out of the basketball? No, I missed that part. I was too busy <laughs> trying to ask you if Brian Antoine was going to be on the list. I did I did slightly consider it. I I wasn't gonna be stunned if he was on yeah, the list. Yeah, no, I, the thought crossed my mind. Anyway, Andrew Griffin. I love guys who can really, really shoot the basketball. And what AJ Griffin became once he got healthy was eye-opening for me. Of, oh, that, that's why this dude was this highly recruited. He, I don't know what you're supposed to really do with him. Cause he's got, now he doesn't has, I feel like he looks bigger than he actually is. He's mm-hmm. not in the hollow height range where he sort of has that. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Cause he's 6'10". Same thing you were talking about with Kevin Durant. He sort of right. falls in that category. AJ Griffin's not that tall, but just the, the matchup problem he poses. And I just also really like the way he carries himself. I feel like sometimes it's difficult to sort of keep yourself in check as the five-star freshman heading to Duke on the, this incredibly heralded recruiting class kind of thing. And he just right. seems very comfortable with who he is in life. And, you know, it, his journey hasn't been an easy one. He's had to really battle his his knee and these injuries, and here he is. He's about to be a lottery pick. He had a phenomenal season once he got healthy. Yeah. I, I just have a lot of respect for him. So he grew on me very quickly. Yeah, I think he's kind of that guy that if you do the season over 10 times, 
and you get and he gets luckier with his health like when it comes to getting to start the season full strength that if you do the season 10 times that at least one or two of those times you look up and we're like AJ Griffin might be the best player in the country mm-hmm. and but and you're right I think you could see him get more confident as the year grew on whether that was actually confidence in his game at the college level or just confidence in his body yeah. to deliver the way he needed it to um by the end you're like man that guy is really really good and, and clearly the nba guys think he is too because he's when when uh, the pacers pick sixth in the lot in the drafts like he might not be up for grabs still mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's a really good basketball player to, to go top five in, in the nba draft uh, it, you know to state the most obvious thing perhaps ever stated on the <laughs> podcast um but I, i'm here for that one i wasn't expecting that I wasn't expecting that, but I'm, I'm here for it. So are we three guys in for you? Yes. Uh, my fourth and final guard, man, <laughs> just, just absolutely. I will say that I think there are four different guards on this team, though. Four different um, – it's not like the same category of guard over and over again, right? You got J.J. Redick, Tyus yep. Jones, John and, and John Shire, who I think are all three different guards. And, and then my fourth guard is a guy that I, I'd be curious to, to hear how quickly he went on your list uh, or, or how quickly, how far out he would have been from if you ever considered him on the best Coach K list. Because when I look at his stats from his best year, it's one of the, like, the more impressive. Um, but uh, the last guard on my list is Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I he grew on me very much so throughout he you know it was, it was part of that Shire Nolan Smith Kyle Singler uh, team that was that won the title in 2009 and 10 and then in 2010 and 11 when he was like completely the guy yeah 21 points five assists four and a half rebounds uh, shooting 50 percent from two-point range 35 percent from the from three-point range and then 80 percent from the free throw line ACC player of the year consensus just kind of did it all all defense so he played good defense too uh, ACC all defense I should say um and just one of those guys that you know the year after like the year with the title came back was just was just really really good that year too um so not really anything like specific like connection to I just remember really really enjoying the Nolan Smith years at Duke yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of giving people the bonus points for that extra year after winning the national championship when everybody yeah. else leaves. Yeah, we sure. talked about that when we were doing our, our best teams. And he certainly, yeah, he, he went from key player to national champion to first team All-American. Yep. I, he absolutely was one of the first names that came to mind when I was sort of sifting through the people I was going to consider outside of the very obvious ones for that Duke team of how do you sort of get the national champ, the recent national championship teams in there, Mm -hmm. guys like him, Kyle Singler, because there wasn't really going to be anybody from the the most recent national championship team because that was, you know, carried by one and done for the most part. But absolutely, he would have been pretty high up there on my list from the team success and what he did individually as a senior. And then Right, the fact that he hung around probably as long as he could have mm-hmm. and just happened to be sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time with John Shire getting that job. Yeah, Duke through and through. And he, the final thing I'll say is he's one of those guys that when you heard he came back to be part of the, the coaching staff and then ultimately became an assistant coach, you went, oh, yeah, that checks out. Yep, 100%. 100%. <laughs> so that's, that's four of my five. Who's fourth for you? Zion. Zion, I love it. Again, you know, don't have incredibly incredible emotional attachment to particular players from Duke history of all. I absolutely love that guy who was there in 2009. So I'm going to go with the, the most entertaining college basketball player I've probably ever seen. He was just ridiculous. We've talked about it time and time again. I don't really feel like I need to justify why Zion's on my list. Mm-hmm. It's just pure entertainment value. Yeah, I agree. He he was mesmerizing. Yeah. How about that? Yes, that's a good one. Um, he kind he he didn't get especially close just because 
you know, I have a Villanova guy who kind of fills that kind of role. No real emotional connection. Just like I loved watching him play. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about the Villanova team in general um, that I have here. Um, but uh, absolutely. He, from a, you know, something to just be said, but like there's not a Duke player ever that I've just been so mesmerized by. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, I do have a big guy on my, on my team. I have one, one big guy. So this is, this is quite an honor. Um, but, but the one big guy on my team is Sheldon Williams. Okay. Um, his level, like he kind of synonymous with the JJ Redick era, right? It was him and Sheldon Williams, you know, averaged a double double his last two seasons at Duke played great defense, all American two-time ACC defensive player of the year, three-time all defense. Um, just, just as important to those teams as JJ Redick was um, kind of at the very beginning of my um, conscious Duke fandom, I'll call it. Um, and I needed a big guy too. And there wasn't really any other guard that I felt so strongly about that. I was like, I need that guy on my team as well. Um, so he rounds out my list of, of favorites from the, the K era. Duke. I saved my, my one emotional attachment for the end. Do you want to guess who it is? This is five. This is number yes. five. Okay. Yes. Uh, is it? And I'm not sure you're going to get this because you and I didn't know each other at this time. Is this post JJ Redick? Oh yeah. I'm going to go with Andre Dawkins. No. No. Not a terrible guy. The one. Uh, Greg Paulus. No. Way later. Way like like as in like 2015 ish. Yeah, that ballpark. I fell in Seth, love with Seth, this player. Seth Curry? I fell in love with this player before this player went to Duke. And then fell uh, up again. So, so is he a Michigan guy or a Philly guy? Neither. Neither. So why'd you fall in love with him? As a high school prospect? <laughs> yes. And he went to there is a it's Jabari Parker. Oh, okay. All right. No, not I, think I, I think I would have gotten there eventually because I think we've talked about that at least briefly before. But okay. part, part of this attachment was that he was supposed to go to Michigan State. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 And so the idea of. Because he was originally committed to Michigan State. I don't think. No, he never committed. But never everybody committed. kind of said he was. Okay. That's where right. he was supposed to end up. And it was sort of between those two schools. And gotcha. ultimately, he's okay. cho- he chose to. This is one of the, this is why we do all favorite teams. I can't really explain it. Mm. I just became a huge fan of his and always have been. I'm very sad it hasn't really worked in the NBA. Mm. And that he never became what he was hyped up to be coming out of high school of one of those versatile forwards you can't stay in front of has sort of maybe not the the handles of a Kevin Durant, but kind of that he can do a little bit of everything. He can play make, he can shoot. Mm-hmm just one of those sort of you don't see guys with this kind of complete skill set very often and injuries were part of it and I just think he got a little overhyped because he's he's not quite athletically what I feel like he was made out to be mm-hmm. but I will never and similar to Brian Antoine I will never stop going to bat for Jabari Parker he's just he's my guy and once you're in you, you don't get kicked out of the club. This is true. This is true. You have to do something pretty impressive to uh, get kicked out of Josh's club once he lets you in. Um, but nice. Okay. I'm cool with that. So to recap, my all coach K, John Shire, Tyus Jones, J. Redick, Nolan Smith, holy perimeter scoring, and Sheldon Williams. Just some rebounding in there. Just sprinkle some rebounding in there um, for, for, uh, for old time's sake. Uh, but um, that is my team. Your team is? AJ Reddick, Jordan Goldwater, AJ Griffin, Zion Williamson, Jabari Parker. That's a much more interesting team. That's much more. I'm, I'm here for that. Okay, let's move over to, to the all J Wright team. 21 seasons to pick from. Um, all of mine are post 2010 um, for whatever that's worth. Um, and really, the majority of them are post 2015. Um, but that uh, is predictable, I would say. Um, but let's hop right in. Mr. Doring, uh, who's the, who's the first name you'd like to submit to your all J Wright favorite team? Kyle Lowry. Wow. I'm stunned. 
Wow, so stunned. <laughs> Similar to J.J. Reddick, at least to a degree of this is also about what Kyle Lowry has become. Mm-hmm. But quite simply, nobody encapsulates Philadelphia basketball like Kyle Lowry, and therefore mm. you're that guy, and you stay home for school, and you take charges in the NBA All-Star game, yeah, you're on this team. Yeah. I was, I'm, I would have been, that might've been the most stunned I'd ever been on this podcast. If he wasn't on your team, <laughs> to be honest with you, that might be the level that we're talking about here. That's all I got. That's all you got. Very short, sweet to the point. I love it. Um, first on my list, Colin Gillespie. Um, I feel like if you were paying attention from like 2012 to 2016, instead of 2016 to 2022, that Ryan Jarchidiakno is probably on this list instead of Colin Gillespie, like depending on which section of the decade is like the most, like the, the point at which you pay the most attention. Um, but you know, watching Colin go from like this under-recruited freshman coming off the bench to, the you know all important team nationally um and to see a team there aren't very many teams to see a guy like that change the dynamic of a team so much the way that we saw it when he went down last year um right before the tournament and just the way that he you know functions as just as synonymous with Villanova as anybody else we've talked about um and to be you know a guy that Jay Wright goes and talks to to like, hey, do I do I seem all right? Like that's how important Colin Gillespie is to Jay, to Jay Wright and to Villanova, um, and to see him come back again and again, and to use all of the eligibility that he had to, and then to finally get to a Final Four, um, as you know, while being you know the guy is is cool, um, and you know, six foot point guard who plays the game the right way, makes a lot of good decisions and shoots it well. That's kind of kind of my cup of tea. Yeah. So he is uh he is on my list uh to start off. I would expect nothing less. Yeah. Next for you. Scotty Reynolds. Okay. All right. First Villanova player I fell in love with from a actual watching them play for Villanova. I remember them making that final four. He was very, very. I also have the affection for guards. You do that. I just get drawn to some guys, and when you can get buckets the way he did, mm-hmm. and are so important to Villanova becoming what Villanova is. I, I don't care how many guards come after you. You've got that spot for me. Fair. That's that's very very fair. Um, he is, and we talked about that a little bit. Um, not forgotten, but like kind of under the radar, just how good he was at Villanova. Um, when you talk about your, especially what's happened recently when, when it comes to guards. And then before that, as you talked about with, with Kyle Lowry, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, the guy who's kind of in that place for me and that's next on my list and is kind of the, the Zion Williamson part of this for me, I have no emotional connection to Jalen Brunson whatsoever, <laughs> but Jalen Brunson is so freaking good and was so good in the Villanova uniform and so impossible to play against and so frustrating to play against that like somehow the six foot guy who doesn't jump very high could back down anybody he wanted to, and somehow always got his shot up in the paint um, and made every big shot he needed to. Um, we've talked about all of these things, but Jalen Brunson there, there's never been, there's one guy that's been scarier to me um, for different reasons, but the I guy that I've no, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about him momentarily. Um, but just from a man, that guy is so annoying because he's so good. And, and I've got total confidence in him doing the thing that's going to drive me the most crazy as like a Butler fan, for example, um, is uh, respect for that. He's just, he was so, so good. Um, so he, for no reason other than that, uh, is on my all favorite list. He is the very rare player that can simultaneously excel as, you know, this borderline five-star recruit Mm. while also being everything Villanova epitomizes. Right. Right. There just aren't very many guys that can do both. They can simultaneously be both where you look at him and you go, that's a Villanova player. And also that's the best player in the country. Mm -hmm. He is maybe the only guy 
that's been able to do that? Certainly have no issue whatsoever with him earning a spot on your team. Fantastic. I'm glad. Not that my opinion of your favorite players should carry much weight anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next on your list. Chris Jenkins. Yep. When you said I really like guys who can just shoot the crap out of it, I knew Chris Jenkins was coming at some point. I I I don't think there's ever been a player I like watching and I mean Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, don't care. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't think I've ever enjoyed watching somebody shoot a basketball more than I enjoy watching Chris Jenkins. Butter, just absolutely yeah, me. It's just beautiful. And then there's the small fact of, you know, he won Villanova national championship. So that mm-hmm. that helps a tiny bit too. Yes. I would I would I would uh, <laughs> argue that, that kind of you know came into play. Um, but yeah, I was you know, you have to have the utmost respect for what he's just a beautiful jump shot, just an absolutely stunning jump shot. Um, and to make one to, to, to take a shot that like, I, like everybody in the building had to have known that shot was going in, right? Everyone. Like you get, you gave him a, a, a you gave him a, a, a pretty, you know, warm up three for a national championship and just nailed it. I will certainly say I did not feel that way watching it live. I'm sure you didn't, but uh, I'm sure mo- I'm sure there were Villanova fans who didn't, because um, I'm sure you were rooting for for the J for J Wright squad in that one. See, I would I would have felt I would have felt a little bit differently if it had been right at the three point line. It was but deep. It was, it was yeah, deep. That was the part of it that. Yeah, I never went. Oh, he hits that in his sleep. Of course, mm-hmm. it was. Well, that's not a terrible look because that's Chris Jenkins. You know? Right. Yeah. Certainly had faith in the ability to hit it, but. That did, that did change the equation that he just kind of pulled up and let it fly. Yeah. That is predictable that, uh, that Christian is on your list. I love it, though. Um, are you ready for my most obscure player? Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Across, across the two teams. Rejected guess? What kind of time frame are we talking about here? Early 2010s, but also late. 2000s okay so we're talking scotty venom yes is this somebody i'm supposed to be able to guess um it, when i tell you you're gonna be like oh yeah but maybe not okay i got nothing Corey fisher okay yeah I mean, fair enough. I just would have never gone there. Well, he was one of the guys that, like, I was looking, and with these teams, like, there were a few guys I was like, okay, yeah, those guys are going to go on my list. And I was like, who do I, who's on my list next? And I was kind of just going through, you know, each season. And, you know, you very, I just, you just kind of looking through, and it's like, oh, I I remember really, really enjoying watching Corey Fisher play. Mm -hmm. And then, and he was on, he was on right those teams that were really good um was averaged double digit points three of the, his four years at he was the third leading scorer the year that they went to the final four right it was dante cunningham it was scotty reynolds those were the two guys and then it was Corey fisher um and it just kind of kept getting that, that became the case more and more the older he got right as a as a junior, it was Scotty Reynolds and Corey Fisher. It was that backcourt that was kind of the guys. And then the Villanova team in 2010-11 wasn't great. They finished ninth in the Big East, finished 500 in conference. Um, but Corey Fisher was the best player on that team. Um, and I just remember being a fan of his as kind of a scoring guard yep. um, whose role got bigger. And it's not like he was fantastic, not like he was all-time. And the year that he was the best player on the team, they were just only okay. Um, but enjoyed as as just a scoring point guard, a, a guy I remember very much enjoying seeing him hit a lot of shots. Um, and it kind of triggered a memory of mine when I was coming back through it. So he is the he is the fourth, third, excuse me, third guy on my list. The thing I remember about him is just always having a lot of confidence. Yeah. In, in him that. Oh, okay. Corey Fisher took that shot. That that's good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, for whatever reason, similar to Chris Jenkins, I guess. From a not that he had the same kind of jump shot, but just 
it was you know it, you just felt good when Corey Fisher was the one making the play. That's yep. the that's the one thing I remember about him. Yep. Absolutely. So that's uh that's the that's the third guy on my list. My fourth guy is Michael Bridges. He's also on my list. I thought he might have been. That was the guy that you had on your all team that I didn't that made this list. Uh, that was that was going to be my guess. Yeah. yeah. Just the the combination of scoring defense, his length, the athleticism, he just popped in a very. Yeah. That's I think such that's, a good way. That's such a good way to put it. Such you. a good way to put it. In a right in a very structured system, you could just tell he was different. <laughs> The thing I always think about when I think about Michael Bridges is the, so Josh and I, of course, we beat this drum to death. We attended Butler University, the esteemed Butler University. And our first two years at Butler, we beat Villanova at Hinkle twice. The first two years we were there, you know, they beat them the year that they, you know, after they won the national championship. um, And then they beat them at home again, the year that they won the national championship in 2018. And the second year, that second year when Butler really controlled that game for a lot of the, a lot of the time. Um, and I still remember is, you know, they'd been up by like 13 to 15, uh, you know, approaching the under four timeout and Villanova starts to press. And then all of a sudden it's like three minutes left and they're, they're only down by like eight. And I will always remember like, you know, they Villanova would score and then it's Michael Bridges at the head of the snake <laughs> in the full court press. And like, we're sitting in the student section at that point. So we're like, I'm like 15 feet max from, um, for Michael Bridges at this point. I'm like, that guy is terrible. Like he's like, he's in a defensive stance. He still looks like he's six, five. Um, he's, his arms are ridiculously long. He's clapping his hands. He's got this look in his eye. And then like, I'm like, that guy's terrifying. And that's what I was, this was alluding to earlier from a, you know, just kind of terrified of what he was doing on the court. And like, I never saw him take a shot. I didn't think it was going in. Like when yep. he, when it didn't go in, it was like, Oh, thank God. Right. <laughs> it was like, Oh my gosh, you left him with four feet of space. What are you doing? Right. And, and then on the other side of things, he was just an, a lockdown defender. Um, one of those guys that just a joy to watch play. And as you talked, we talked about in the all J right. But, uh, pod a sneak like that year he had as a junior just like sneaky good you know relative to anybody with how efficient he was how important he was on the defensive end um how well he shot at that year uh just just an unbelievably good college basketball player has become a guy who's getting paid lots of lots of money of the nba because people in the nba realize oh that guy does a lot of things really really well um especially a lot of things that people want teams to do in the nba um, this is the point that I'll remind you that the 76ers <laughs> traded Zaire Smith for Michael Bridges. I was going to uh, say, he has to be on your team if for no other reason than that. Yes. So he um, made me look really, really bad on behalf of you. Yes. Yes, he did. Um, so, so shouts to Michael. Him as, a, you know, that's really the cherry on top because at Villanova, he was just a treat to watch. So he's uh, the fourth of my five players. Maybe I need to take him off for that. <laughs> I don't know if I can. <laughs> It'll be okay. I'll forgive him. Okay. You have one left. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Derek Pascal. Derek Pascal. Eric. Oh, I thought you said Derek. I was like, who in the heck is Derek Pascal? <laughs> Eric Pascal. Yeah, I was like, who in, the, who in the world is Derek Pascal? Eric Pascal. Okay. That makes way more sense. This was an effort of trying to put a semi reasonable team size wise on the floor. But also, I always appreciated Pascal just because he has sort of that Draymond Green thing where you look at him and it just doesn't make sense. But then you look at the stat sheet and he's got, you know, 20 points, eight rebounds and five assists and nailed a couple threes and is unguardable. So I just thought... so good. So annoying. I just had an immense amount of respect of... He just kind of sort of out of nowhere became this guy who could give you 20 on any given night. And the, the versatility, the ability to – he's one of the, those guys that got tasked with guarding centers when he's not really a center that sort of – especially in the couple recent years, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, right, these smaller centers that sort of this, the concept that Draymond Green started. And now you see your Bam Adebayos of the world in the NBA that it got to a point where there – had he been in college five years earlier, 
maybe there's not a spot for him in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But by the time he was there and leaving, you went, oh, he absolutely can find a spot for him. Yeah, right. he can he can find a place in the NBA. He's not going to be a star, but he's a matchup problem. He's comfortable guarding bigger guys. You put him with some of the best shooters in the world, and you know, he had a nice little run there. DJ Tucker-ish kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. With more with more offensive polish. Right. Not not same defensive. Can do yeah. You can do something else other than shoot a corner three. Which is fine. That's, I mean, PJ Tucker, that's the niche he's carved out for himself. He can guard a massive guy and do it well. And if he's left in the corner, he's going to knock down that shot. And that's all you really need him to do on, on the right team. Um, yeah, Eric Pascal on the, for me at least, on the short list of guys that have also become pretty synonymous with Villanova. Um, and part of that's just because of the, right, when you win two national championships, when you're a part of the best, some of the best teams that Jay Wright ever had that that kind of becomes a thing without you even trying but a guy you know Villanova has so many guys that's just like man I don't like playing that guy <laughs> yeah. he's gonna do it right and he's absolutely one of them um so I'm, I'm I'm cool with that as well would you like to guess who the last player on my list is recent recent how recent are we talking? Uh, last three years. Okay. So not not immediately recent. No, not in the last, not last season recent. Hmm. Is this not the guard? It is not. But it's oh. not a big either. It's a perimeter guy. Okay. Last years so we're talking after the national championship correct this player was not on the national championship team just a high profile player um this is a player who went top 20 in the nba draft but not the best of Villanova teams. I mean, relatively speaking, right? And this is a guy who was very high on in this particular, in the draft that he went in. Higher than pretty much everybody else. Oh, yes, of course. How could the, how could your team be complete without Sadiq Bay? That's correct. How could <laughs> my team ever be correct? Uh, ever be just it's not whole without Sadiq Bay. um this is part just how good he became I thought he was one of the more underrated players in the country at the end of the 2019-20 season um we're talking 16.153 a steal and shot 45 percent from the three-point line on five and a half attempts per game and then and I was high on him in the NBA and I think he's delivered on that at, at in Detroit um, at least to the extent that he can. Um, oh, he's thriving out there because he has everybody else to take his shots away. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and I still think, you know, once you get, you know, you know, with Kate Cunningham, with whoever the Pistons add in the draft coming up in June, that he'll also fit nicely into a role that includes him, you know, just hitting a lot of threes and playing good defense. And But huge fan of Sadiq Bey when he was at, just specifically that second of two seasons he played at Villanova, I don't think people quite respected just how good he was and how massive he was like massive in terms of like he's two two fifteen six eight, like just like a NBA body at, at Villanova um, and has done pretty well in the NBA. Um, so that makes me look good because I was pretty high on him as a, at the forward position um, in 20, that would have been 20, the 2020 draft. So Sadiq Bay, that's uh, that's the guy that rounds out my list. My incredibly, undersized Villanova uh, team of Colin Gillespie, Jalen Brunson, Corey Fisher. Wait, at some point we'll get a guy taller than 6'3". Mike Albridges and Sadiq Bey. That's that's my squad, Ron. I had never thought about the fact that Villanova is responsible for probably your two best 
draft evaluations in the history of our podcast. Sadiq Bay and who? Bridges. Oh, and Bridges, yeah, yeah. The idea that that was a no-brainer win trade. Oh yes, okay, yes, 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 yes. That that I was very adamant on that one. I never thought about that before. And then I went, oh, 40% of his team is just guys that made him look made, really good. Look, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is my severely undersized, but super fun to watch. All Jay Wright favorite team. My team is Kyle Lowry, Scotty Reynolds, Chris Jenkins, Michael Bridges, and Eric Paschal. Also, that's undersized. a really good team. <laughs> also, a very good team. Very good team. There it is. There it is. All Coach K favorite, all Jay Wright favorite. Enjoyed this. I like looking. I, I like talking about guys that are my favorite. I'm really not, I'm really not all that interested in talking about <laughs> what other what the consensus best players are. I like being able to be as subjective as possible right. um, about the guys that go on my list. We don't need stats. We just need heart. Yes. Oh, there's there's like a there's a song or like the the foundational quote of like some high school sports movie in there. There's something. We don't need a heart. We, we don't need talent. We need, just need a heart and hard work. There's something in there. Um, at least nothing, nothing um, original, but there's something, <laughs> there's something in there. Um, you got anything else on these teams, on um, these coaches or anything else, really? I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not one to um, put you in a bubble and what you might need to get off your chest. Nothing in particular. It's full NBA draft mode now. Full NBA draft mode now. I think we are four weeks-ish, four and a half, three and a half weeks from the NBA draft. June 23rd, I believe, is is draft day. Um, so we'll kind of uh, put our heads together and over the next four weeks get, a, get set up for the NBA draft, um, talk prospects, talk, talk team needs, um, and all of those things that we've done uh, the last few years, but time to get into that. And then it'll be uh, all of a sudden we're starting to, to look towards next season. And um, as rosters really start to fill out and we really see what teams are going, we, we really have more set in stone, what rosters are going to look like for the 2022, 23 college basketball season. We'll, uh, we'll get into that. Oh, Oh, I do have one thing. Oh, big week for orange teams recruiting players in the transfer portal out of the big 12 huge week <laughs> huge week and that was just one of the first things that came to my mind like, yeah. well, tyrese hunter and matthew meyer both ended up at orange teams and wait yes, they're they both are. from the big 12 yes they are that's bizarre <laughs> clearly they were just true. the attraction of playing in the orange uniform that's that's got to be what it is right really Really stuck with them. It's like, definitely not Chris Beard or anything like that. Or the the opportunities with so many pieces departing at Illinois. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Right. And no, I, no, no, it's no, absolutely no, no. no. It's definitely not either of those things. Yeah, Orange Brad Underwood. Course. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the uh, because orange is such a pretty color. <laughs> that was a ricochet shot at orange as a color. I apologize for that. I apologize for that orange. Um, I just thought yeah. that was so random. <laughs> yeah, and also just like also in general. I mean, I'm for, like, you're going to have the same players playing a big role in how the Big 12 is shaken up. They're just a lot of them are going to have different uniforms on. Yeah. This is, I'm not it's sure. Like, oh, yeah. About this. It's like, oh, yeah. That guy was really good last year just for a green and yellow team instead of you know, petition to only talk about teams in terms of the colors that are on their jerseys and not the actual names. That would get really confusing really fast. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the Big Ten would have some issues there in particular. <laughs> right, a lot of red teams. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of teams are like, well, this red team, this slightly redder team, this red and... Red and silver versus red right. and white, because you got two different categories. <laughs> right. Maybe but we're also going you have crimson. two teams in both of those categories. Right. <laughs> Perhaps the names are there for... <laughs> perhaps the names are there for a reason but uh, right uh, as i as i mentioned we'll um we'll probably do some sort of transfer portal winners and losers thing uh in the coming weeks as well to kind of as that sorts sort of starts to calm down and we get um as rosters start to look more like what they're ultimately going to look like when the season starts in the fall but we will get to that as well as well as the nba draft 
get you set up for that as well. As for today's pod, that's all we got. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast, not podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod, and we'll be back at some point in the near future. Please stand by shaking with anticipation. Thank you so much for, this, for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He is Josh, and we will see you later.